0: Welcome to After Credits here on the Intercut Podcast channel. I'm where we review a new movie, including everything that comes after the credits. I'm your co host, Zachary Shevich. And joining me, he just doesn't like you no more. It's Arturo Zurita.
1: It looks like uh, I thought it was the end. It might be the, the start. Uh, we'll see where it goes from here. But we are here to review what I think. I think is still your favorite movie of the year 2022.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I don't want to set anything in stone before we have to. We've still got a couple months of movie watching before we got to put our lists together. And I I want to get some rewatches in, but this is certainly going to be a contender, not just for uh, the top of my best of the year list, but I think for the top of the Oscars best picture race. some people have forecasted it to be. Uh, There are a lot of fans of this film and maybe some people who aren't admiring it quite as much. We'll see uh, where we each fall on the side of the banshees of an In- 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 on this after credits. We are going to get into spoilers. For the Banshees of Inishirin, basically off the top here. So if you have not seen the film yet, and you don't want the film to be spoiled for you, we've got plenty of other spoiler f- spoiler-free discussions. Real quick, I mean, I think you know you, you hinted at it. I'm definitely giving it a strong recommend. Head out of the head out of your home, go see it as soon as you can. I think you'd also say that people should venture out to the movie theater and check out Banshees.
1: I would. He's a director who I think has made some really fascinating movies. He's a playwright who knows how to pen a script really well. Um, And I do think this is still a solid outing. I know you got your sticker. You voted already. And I think (laughs) (laughs) as of now, if the election was in, you got your one best picture right there. I would say that he has made some other movies with these two that I think are superior. But I know that this is one that's going to grow on me with time. So my only recommendation is if you were to leave the house to go see it, I think you want the sun after this. This isn't a late night weekend uh, with the guys. This is one to catch as, like a matinee, come out, discuss it. You want the sun hitting you as soon as you leave the theater because that's all that's hitting these yeah. gentlemen as they're full of despair. Holy smokes, are they in the most beautiful looking locations that I've seen in a movie in 2022. Um, so I would also say Absolutely. leave the theaters. I think for you it's more of a combo price, full out, uh, as high as you can go. Definitely, I'd stick with the MENA name, but nonetheless, I could definitely see it uh, being in some Oscar categories at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, for sure. So let's dive into the beautiful waters of the North Atlantic Ocean off the coast of the Aran Islands to discuss mm. Oscar winner Martin McDonough's latest film. The Banshees of Inishirin. Inishirin? Inishirin. A fable-like balance of the silly and solemn Banshees takes place on a fictional Irish island named Inishirin. It's 1923, and bullets and bombs from the Irish Civil War echo out over the waters, but... uh, but on an ischern, the only war that matters is the one that's about to be waged between two longtime friends. One day, Patrick, played by Colin Farrell, goes to meet up with his best friend Colum, played by Brendan Gleeson, for their daily afternoon pint at the pub, definitely a stout, possibly a Guinness. I don't know what their distribution capabilities were like in the early 20th century, but when Colm does arrive, he tells Patrick to sit somewhere else and leave him alone. Patrick can't tell if it's a joke or or if he's serious. He did something wrong or maybe he just can't remember it. But Patrick wants an answer. Eventually, Colm gives him one, I just don't like you anymore. <laughs> uh, we talked about this a little bit on our, our Weekend Must Watch, but I think we've both broken up with some friends. you feel like you've gone through your fair share of friend breakups in the past? Yeah,
1: it's never been as brutal as this, and we've never been in such beautiful-looking seasides, but I think we've all gone through that. uh, uh, For me, it's more like a disintegration. I don't know if you've ever had something as, like... Uh, steadfast as this where it goes from overnight Mm -hmm. you guys not being friends but i feel like any relationship be it short or especially the longer ones it dissipates after time and this is one where like it happens fast but nonetheless it's a long relationship so it's dissipating like one of them will Chooses to not let it end. Uh, they also live in an island, though. Zach, I've never lived in an island. Uh, I think we live in a world <laughs> where it's very easy to just be like, "I'm not going to see this person anymore for a bit." Uh, exactly. That's been done to me. Once I haven't done it to other people in the past, but it's not a, it's not a full ghost, right? It's not a full banshee. It it, it happens gradually. <laughs> figures were lost, though. <laughs> really? That was different. That's, so a, diff- that's, that's a different story.
0: Yeah, that that's a whole other podcast, I feel like. So yeah, uh, maybe don't end your friendship with Arturo the same way that they do <laughs> in Panshees. Um, but yeah, Padrick can't accept that his friend of many years would all of a sudden not like him, so he keeps searching for answers. And each time he does, Colum loses a bit of patience with him. Mm-hmm. The last time they drank together, Padrick spoke of his pony's shit for two hours, though Colum remembers it as his donkey's. And for Colum, he'd rather spend that time working on his music, writing songs, conversing with other musicians, if only would remind him of the importance of a healthy work-life balance. Uh, A clever touch here that I feel like goes unspoken in the movie is that Brendan Gleeson is 20 years older than Colin Farrell. There's an implication here that Colm sees the end of his life approaching in a way that Patrick yet does not. And Colm wants to leave a legacy through art. He says that no one remembers anyone from the 20th century for how nice they were, though everyone knows Mozart's name, Mozart's name, except for some reason Patrick. What apparently not everyone knows, including Colm, is that Mozart was actually alive in the 18th century, not the 17th century. Uh, Eventually, Colm threatens to cut off a finger if Padraic keeps bothering him. A threat we soon discover is not idly made. Martin McDonough's films are all dark comedies peppered with moments of brutal violence. Uh, You mentioned that in Bruges might be your favorite of the Martin McDonough catalog and it's also the previous one previous one that pairs Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleason here, although in a bit of a um, reversal of their char- characters in that um, Colin Farrell is the much more nihilistic one in in Bruges, whereas Brendan Gleason sees the glass half full and sees some I beauty like in the world. Yeah. Maybe. You like that that, that, could that dynamic be, better? That could
1: be it. I think they're just better s- switched. I hated seeing Colin Farrell. <laughs> 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 Colin Farrell, there were some moments where they would get Colin Farrell and they made him a little bit of a slower fella in this new movie. So there would just be some shots where his face looked a little different and it hit me halfway through the movie. Sometimes, good looking gentleman, they made him look like the caveman from the Geico commercials, man. They made him look <laughs> dull in the new movie. So I guess I just <laughs> like him being more nihilistic than a simple fella.
0: Yeah. I mean, he does have that like intensely (laughs) furrowed eyebrows that you could like hang chandeliers off of or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know the last time I've seen eyebrows do more acting than this film, but like if you're not going to give Colin Farrell the Oscar, at least give it to those eyebrows. Uh, Patrick refuses to accept the painful truth that his friendship has changed. Calm insists on becoming a martyr in the name of teaching Patrick a lesson. Meanwhile, Patrick's sister, Shabon, played by Carrie Condon. Uh, watches in horror as this all plays out and realizes that life on Inishirin is a life of purgatory, a prison of dull and awful men who would rather destroy each other than listen to one another. She seeks peace by moving to the Irish mainland, where at least there the civil war is coming to an end, because there's still some ugliness left to be dealt out on Inishirin. We, uh, we have to also talk about Jenny, who's probably the real scene stealer of Banshees of Anishrin. Although, you know, art, you can take EO and shove it. I feel like Jenny hey, is the hey. movie donkey of 2020.
1: You're supporting, best supporting donkey of 2020.
0: <laughs> can I get a pic- picture of Jenny? Where's my picture of Jenny? Here you we got go. A
1: picture of Jenny. I got a picture of EO if you need yeah. it.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It's, this is a Jenny podcast here. Jenny, very good girl. Uh, unfortunately, Calm's final set of fingered fury left at the front door of Patrick's house gets gobbled up by his beloved donkey, pick up and your a fingers. devastated Patrick, sorry, I always say, pick up your fingers. Exactly, right. can't just leave them scattered about. Um, and uh, Jenny, choking on them, unfortunately, saddest moment of the movie passes away. A devastated Patrick, now without his sister and his donkey, finally gets angry and tells Colm that he's going to burn down his house. After all that's happened, it's the dead donkey that finally does make Colm feel a bit of remorse. So when Pedrick arrives at his house to burn it all down, Colm stays inside. Though not long enough to die in the flames, Pedrick finds him the next day out on the beach. Colm thanks him for taking care of his dog. Pedrick says, Anytime. After all, that's what friends do. And finally, the two men part ways in one of the bleaker comedies you're bound to see. Arturo. It's a bleak comedy about the end of a friendship, but do you think it worked better as a comedy or as a drama? Or do you think it worked just as well as both?
1: Again, not as good as the previous movies that I really like how he deals with the tone because it inverses itself on each other so well where you're laughing and then you realize it maybe a little too dark and then it's that darkness that makes you laugh a little bit more or it's uh, the dark scenes that make you chuckle out of the despair he has that same tone here and somehow with a a brighter sunnier I love this shot right here specifically alongside the shores of what's some of the best locations of the year that even the b-roll looks beautiful Damn, it, it was so tonally confusing in a way where it's just like, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that his other movies balance it better. He's just clearly so much of a professional that he's at the point of his career where he's one of those writers, like a stand-up comedian, who's writing the jokes to make himself laugh, not the audience. He's so far beyond it that he's playing with, like, tone. It's like when Eminem mm-hmm. starts rhyming words together where you're like, but what do you say? You're just, you're just, like, trying to do some Olympics here to see what you can mash together. He has found a right. way to play with tone. That is just like like jump rope. He's just he's double dutching it. There are some sequences in here between the two of them that are both genres at the same time. I feel as previous movies like are switching you throughout it and it makes you feel so weird. Right. Here they're happening simultaneously because you have two characters coming from both different perspectives. At one point, one of them isn't taking the other one serious, and the other one is so serious, you're like you're like the bartender who's sitting there with them going, like, yo, one of you needs to chill because you're pushing the other one a little bit much too too far to the edge. And then the other one's yeah. a little too dark, and you're like, hey, let's lay up laying up some stuff. We're we're in public here. So it's not that they're mixing them both. They're happening happening simultaneously. And I think that's one of the things that caught me off guard the first time around.
0: Yeah, I think in a lot of McDonough's previous films, there is more of like a descent into the darkness, right? You yeah. start in kind of like a uh, in a sort of funny, sort of uh, witty back and forths, and you get the uh, lots of repeti- repetitions in dialogue, which is a very kind of like theatrical thing that you think he's bringing from his playwriting. And then as those films go along, they they maybe become a little bit darker, a little more existential, a little more violent. Um, Banshees is definitely a little more of like a tonal ping pong, in that it starts on this kind of like lighter, breezier kind of you know, difference of opinion about the end of this relationship comedy. And then it's just specked, just uh, peppered with all of these moments of just like true existential dread. Uh, whether it becomes like the questions of like, are you too boring to spend time with? Or like, what is like a good use of time? Like how nice are we expected to be as humans? Like what, what, what is decent behavior? Mm-hmm. And I, I just kind of love the way in which I feel like, I almost feel like it's like being like pulled like a puppet in all these different directions. And like uh, it, it's a little more unexpected because it's not quite so um, increasingly, increasingly dark when there are these little like respites of comedy, they kind of hit you like from the side you're not necessarily expecting them the same way and i think it's just very very strongly written the the way that he's able to balance the like humor of the silliness of their situation the with you know uh barry keown's character saying like what are you 12 when he finds out that they've had their friendship breakup like it's a very silly thing to depict two men doing, I, we don't have a lot of like films in the first place that focus on male friendship, but particularly films that focus on like the end of a male friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that like something that seems so small can have these greater implications, which again calls back to that idea of the Irish civil war playing out at the same time and the the ways that disagreements can evolve into much bloodier uh, disputes between men
1: yeah it is it's the second half of Superbed. uh but you don't know why they start <laughs> fighting to begin with and it's the only mm-hmm. friends they got there's no college island to leave off they're stuck here forever but yeah in seeing the different dynamics that everybody has going on you had mentioned barry keogh and there's this aspect of it of like who were you agreeing with more at the beginning? Did you feel bad for the character of Colin Farrell feeling like, well, who else do you have here? His sister argues for him. He's always been dull. So why is it this random morning that you decided to not be friends with my brother? But then mm-hmm. you also have um, Brendan's character who, while he is easily the one who you're not supposed to agree with. I think the movie does a good job. I'm not justifying his actions, but I think it does a decent enough job to put you in this 1920s setting and, you know, an Island out there in the middle of a civil war where you kind of see why he's thinking the way he's thinking. He has this kind of like backstory and being an artist and what he wants to be. Uh, this idea of like who, who does want to hear two hours of someone talking about their donkey or horse? Does it really matter Mm -hmm. when one little thing is off? Um,
0: no, because I do think there is a relatable factor to the idea of, like, this person is a waste of my time. And especially because the way that, like, the the film sort of gets at the existential, like, what is the purpose of my living here? What do I want my life to mean? Uh, you, you really do get an understanding for why he might feel that way, even though he's going about it in perhaps, like, the harshest way we can imagine without, like... Directly like attacking him or something. Yeah. It it just seems so cruel to a guy who seems so kind. But I think one of the things that I appreciate about how McDonough depicts it is that you kind of go back and forth between who you feel like is to blame. Like at first, yeah, obviously, uh, Columns to blame. He's the one who's decided to to end things. But the more you find out about Podrick and you, you see what he gets up to and how he conducts himself, you kind of get why a guy who... Has at, at least these intellectual kind of, the intellectual kind of bent that column does, the musical uh, aspirations that he does, wouldn't want to spend two hours talking about donkey shit. For
1: sure, because he's a person who wants to write a song, which is why he's cutting his yeah. fingers so that he can never play said songs either. <laughs> so, you know, there's parts of the movies that cause. there was a couple who was with us in the theater, they got up, she was like what happened she just did not know who she was supposed to be rooting for uh where she's supposed to be going by the end she didn't like either of the characters by the end of it but that's when you started like you start realizing little by little uh that they have this through line of one of them coming off as the intellectual the one who knows a lot of things only to not Mm -hmm. have everything perfect and then the other person who doesn't think that he's malicious only to realize that he's kind of foolish but he has no problem with being dull so you have a person who's the idiot and then the other one who's the smart one. But in reality, they're both kind of in the same position and the smart one who wants Mm -hmm. to have these bigger aspirations. He's not willing to leave like the sister. He's still in the same spot. So as the sister says, what do you need more time for? Once you're done rehearsing your song, what's the problem with Padre?" And then the same thing with him. What is he doing more of?
0: Yeah. No. And then another thing that goes unspoken in the movie is like, yeah, he has this aspiration to write the song to uh, contribute to his great legacy. But like, do we really think that the next Mozart is this older man on the island of Anishirin who's just picked yeah, up the he's fiddle? Right? Twenty years like, older, Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, by the end, uh, Padrick says your song says the song is shit too. Like, uh, yeah, he was just mad it, though. You
1: know that sometimes. Sometimes you say <laughs> things to your boy you didn't really mean it. You were just heated at the moment. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he was heated in the moment, for sure. But, you know, I, I think there is, like, a bit of, um, <laughs> even if it's not necessarily acknowledged, a bit of judgment on uh, column for thinking that this is going to be how he can preserve his own legacy, especially given that he's, like, willing to sacrifice his fingers in the process, mm-hmm. that, like, it it kind of is like a fool's, fool's errand to believe that you can do this, w- which to me is also that much funnier when you consider that, Martin McDonough has said that some of his inspiration for the character is his own desire to write more and belief that he should be making movies more frequently. Yeah. So I don't know if that what that says about his perspective. I think that's interesting. Um, that's
1: one of the reasons I want to yeah. rewatch it because I remember we had the Carscast boys on here and they were talking about really viewing the movie as a response to his previous one, having made it all the way to the Oscars and having all of this love that he's got in the entire time throughout mm-hmm. all, all of his movies and then three billboards having a backlash that a lot of people, or him in particular, Wasn't expecting he thought he had already won all this good graces with people that people would interpret him in a better way. And there's some of that at play at this movie uh, with being an artist and the importance of what you can have. And are you wasting your time? Because you you Absolutely. need to be there giving the people something new, right? He said, uh, "You have wasted your entire day, but I have created another piece of music <laughs> that gets to enter <laughs> this world." It's Banshees, another piece of art that he has allowed to give us. Why all of us wasted our time in quarantine? You know, he's trying to have those bigger discussions. Um, and then when you have uh, Padrick, keeps going. yeah my Podrick is the guy from the You the Game book. of Thrones.
0: Not even no, yeah. it's not even that Podrick. Oh doesn't... no no it's a th- th- uh, Harry Potter, right? No, yeah. it's it's a... What is it? <sighs> diary of a wimpy kid. <laughs> and he practically Oh is. I never read that one. If he had a diary, uh, he, would be a in Thrones, yeah, he would be the Wimpy. He would be a wimpy kid because he doesn't he, realize he
1: Podrick that he's accepted, he's not an intellectual, yet he still thinks he's smarter. Than uh Barry's character. And I found that fascinating because you you start catching moments with Barry's character where he, as a simple man, still has something Padrick doesn't. Aspirations to be something better. And there's right. a specific moment a dream. with Yeah, with Barry. It's that line that you just said, where he has a dream of being with the sister siobhan and he at least attempts it. It doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. And he has this one little line that I thought was just I don't know, it was heartbreaking because one, he's able to play his role so well as uh, an individual in this town who is a little bit slower, who has a father who's in the police force and also abuses him and has even Mm -hmm. uh, kind of hinted that he does some other things at him. And no one bats an eye. No one ever protects this kid. And he's always out there. He's just with the animals. But he still has aspirations to be something bigger. And when he attempts to profess his love to the sister, she shuts us down in that line about like, well, there's another dream. Gone. I was like, damn! Because i don't know i don't want to connect something that i don't want to connect there but it's like the way that he loses a dream is maybe the same way that you've had Colum losing his dreams his entire life and now he's at that point of despair Mm. at the end but there is one sequence between the character of podrick who knows he's a fool but he still thinks he's smarter than this one over here right where barry's character says touche at the dinner table (laughs) and podrick who thinks he's smarter than this kid goes what's that he goes oh you know it's what the french say at least this boy right here knew more stuff than someone who was like twice his age, right? Because the sister was already like twice his age and the sister said, nah, it's, I'm way too old for you. But uh, Padraic, Padraig was just so far behind. He really had no other aspect. He was like Spongebob. Wake up in the morning, go to the one place you're supposed to be, drink a beer, go back home. That's it. That's all he <laughs> ever did. The man didn't even know how to keep his donkey outside. The donkey was going in. And I thought that uh, reflecting the relationship of the two best friends... To then of Padrick and uh, Barry's character, I thought was a genius way to kind of relate. Yeah. Uh, the different, just I guess, I don't want to call it classes, but the different people who you associate with in this island and how that yeah. leads to the big point, as you were discussing earlier, and as I've heard uh, um, uh, McDonough also talk about, the whole thing is Ireland. I love mm-hmm. stories that are able to take one house, one room. Hotel, hell, one island, and have that be indicative of the story of Ireland as a whole. And a civil war, which is really just two friends not realizing what the end result's gonna be or why they even started fighting in the first place or who they're hurting, but a civil war that you end up with, a domestic dispute and uh, what that leads to, and how even 100 years later, does it make any sense? Um, I think there's a lot more there to pick at that I found to be very fascinating. Uh, Once you start seeing other characters' comments on that, there's one police character, his father, uh, Barry's father, Mm -hmm. who says, yeah, I'm going to get paid uh, I don't know how much money uh, to see someone get hung."
0: executed I he says hung yeah
1: no I think he wanted them to be hung but they're getting executed in oh, a right. different way right? Right, right and he's like you don't know which one it is he goes ah, I don't care which side it One is they're Irish of some sort hell it could be you <laughs> he says to uh, Brendan Gleeson's character <laughs> I'm just glad I'm getting paid and I thought that was very mm-hmm. indicative of what the story was trying to say about uh, looking back at the civil war that's happened in Ireland so um, that I thought was a was a very profound way to integrate a personal story into something bigger of the land while showcasing it all Absolutely. on this land.
0: Absolutely. There, there are a lot of layers to this. And uh, I'll also shout out uh, Connor, who's in the live stream for his review on Letterboxd, where he uh, breaks down the movie as well. And one of the things he points out is how, you know, Dominic is this character who, despite being uh, not necessarily, or, or the probably the dullest person on the island, is also somebody who... Doesn't dance around the issues and is able to kind of just like uh, address things directly in a way that some of the other characters are not. And beyond that, like he's so because he's received no kindness in his upbringing, he's so desperate to receive kindness from Patrick who like, doesn't really give it to him, uh, would rather b- is, is preoccupied with trying to, uh, restore his relationship with column. And then his, his sister, I don't know. It just, there's, there's a lot of like consideration into the, the whole dynamics of this Island and, uh, the, the relationship. And I, I think it's just a very smartly written, uh, a very smartly written script. You know, I think uh, the the way that these people are defined is very uh, sharp, and you kind of understand them as nuanced people, not necessarily just as like two uh, D creations. And you kind of you kind of empathize with everybody, even if you get frustrated along the way with some of their decisions. Uh, speaking of which, the the biggest decision in the film is obviously the severing of Colum's fingers. When that moment happened. What were you thinking? Did you did you buy it? Did you like it, or were you just wondering why this man's so angry?
1: I wish that I had never finished the trailer. <laughs>
0: yeah, that me too. I, I wish that was something that was not necessarily spoiled for me. Although I wonder if maybe going into the film, kind of knowing that was coming, I bought it more.
1: Really? <laughs> okay. I don't know. That's interesting. I thought it was spoiled to me, and I, I usually judge it from the perspective of that comes in well more than an hour into the movie and that's when i feel it should not be disclosed because that feels like a revelation of something because he doesn't even announce it like this isn't like i'm gonna announce it at the beginning and you won't see me commit to it until an hour in no he doesn't announce it till an hour into the movie hey there's a new thing i'm adding because you won't leave me alone and a minute into the trailer it's it's there and i think Again, I don't know how I would have reacted to it if I hadn't seen it, but it felt like something that was so deep into the movie. I wish I didn't know about it. So I would have been as surprised as he was maybe. Uh, Instead, I found myself the first hour waiting for him to get to that point. So um, I still don't get it. Other than it being a metaphor uh, for the war and how, you know, a group of people mutilated themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, killed their own in order to do something. I don't really understand how it fits to his character. And I don't know if what's at play there is a difference in the script because they had mentioned the actors, uh, had mentioned that he had sent them all this script years ago when they were still working on Imbruges or something else, like almost a decade, and that he rewrote everything other than the part where it's two best friends who no longer want to be best friends. Um,
0: Yeah. He took basically the, the plot of the script and rewrote it from the beginning. So I don't know if
1: there was something different there. It sounds like the fingers are new. So... I, to me, narratively speaking, just for that character's decision, it didn't make a lot of sense until a particular uh, sequence between him and a priest, uh, and there are two. Mm-hmm. The first one is very funny because it's him all kind of opening up to the priest that uh, you get this little hilarious moment where the priest just swears and uh, <laughs> I have yet to I loved, see a priest I love the line, PG, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
0: not, not in a McDonough movie, either uh, Martin or John Michael McDonough. They both love... Uh, their priests dropping feckens every, every now priest, and then. priest, bro.
1: Even Godlin from Chicago. And I'm thinking Fleeba, Like, no, pri- I just want to see a PG priest, bro. That's it. what uh, saying?
0: <laughs> he has one of my favorite lines in the movie when uh, uh, Brendan Gleeson asks him if it's a sin yeah. that he's no longer talking to. Uh, and he says, no, but it's not very nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you have a, a really good uh, dynamic there between uh, a man kind of looking back at his life and religion. And it's specifically in their second conversation where he comes up to him and he talks about, is it a sin to not be nice? And he goes, well, it is a sin to mutilate yourself, right? Especially in Catholicism. And they bring up a a conversation about despair. He goes, are you still feeling that desperation? Yeah. Yeah, But will you continue to not do anything about it? No. And you get this part in the third act where I feel it's a director setting up something for you to complete it in your thought as an audience. Mm -hmm. Where... It all builds up to the donkey dying, uh, Patrick's character wanting his revenge, and telling Colm at the bar in front of everybody, I'm going to burn your house tomorrow, keep your dog out of it, and you as well, because you know I'm going to be there. And he stays in the house when he sets it on fire. And I really thought, I was like, damn, was this a long-winded way for you to be too afraid to commit to going through an act that you get your friend to do it? Mm -hmm. It doesn't play out that way, though. So, it, mm-hmm. again, you know, it's one of those movies where it's leading you one way and another. Uh, how did you take that whole sequence at the end, uh, leading Padraic to commit the act, and then uh, how Colm deals with it at the end?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a really interesting choice because obviously there's sort of another element to the film in that, like, even though he won't address it, he's clearly got some depression issues going on. Like, he's no longer uh, sees meaning in his life as, as it was. And whether that you know it's his inability to do something bigger or just feeling the extra uh guilt for how he's hurt his friend in this other way especially considering like how how alone you know there's a we we didn't talk about the recurring idea of like do you feel lonely that comes uh, uh, up in the film and knowing that uh Patrick is alone at that point with his sister gone to the mainland and his beloved donkey dead um, I, he, I'm sure he's like feeling that added guilt, but I, to me, I wonder if that, that last bit and not being able to, uh, stay in the house is because he knows that, uh, Patrick is alone and he doesn't want to leave him alone.
1: That could be it. Cause there's even that aspect of Patrick, like you said, not realizing how he is to other people because as upset right. that he is, that his friend isn't being nice to him. He's an asshole to Dominic. Everything yeah, that he exactly. feels, he then does in reverse, to the person who's below him. And mm-hmm. that idea of being lonely when Siobhan leaves and she says goodbye to the brother and they're on those beautiful-looking cliffs, there's a figure next to uh, Padrick's character. And at first, Let's I bring thought those it was... back.
0: Huh? Let's bring those cliffs back. We, yeah, uh, we, I thought it was can, calm. We can look at that vista more. I thought
1: yeah. it was calm for a second because it would literally be this shot right here in the ocean behind them. Siobhan is leaving. I want to say that Colin's character is in that first cliff right behind him. And then right there in the back, there's someone else. It would have been Dominic, nah? Yeah, yeah. Dominic being rejected by the sister, looking out at the sister, both of them saying or looking at her leave, the project doesn't see that Dominic's there and they won't find his body until after. Because out of everybody mm-hmm. who was lonely, only one of them actually went through with the act of... Right. Going through it. Um, yeah. Whereas, like you said, at the end of the day, if you're looking at both of these being the psyche of McDonough, one, an artist who feels that he's not providing anything if he's living his personal life. Pretty much that's how I saw it at the end, is he's saying that there's two sides of me. If I'm Colin, then I'm not focused on the important stuff, which is work, and I'm only being nice and going out there to have pints with my friends. Is that a life, or is that a waste of a life? Or should I be making the art, even though it means I throw all my friends to the side because they are not worth it? I need to be making something to put out into the earth. And is that worth it if I'm going to be miserable? I don't know.
0: Depressing. What, exactly. What's your answer to that question?
1: I don't think he gives us an answer. <laughs> I don't think he knows. No, the I'm answer. Just a, I'm a... And as two people who create content all the time <laughs> and wonder when does our job end? Because should we watch another movie? Am I taking a break <laughs> to watch another movie? Am I enjoying a movie or am I still working? I don't think there is an answer to that question.
0: Nope.
1: So I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that, yeah. I find it very depressing. But I, I enjoy the conversation. Yeah, exactly. It. It's a very interesting no, parable. It's a tale.
0: It as somebody who does have that extent existential panic every now and then of like what am I doing? Why am I spending time this way rather than this other way? Uh-huh. Yeah, this movie is very relatable, even if I've never chopped off my fingers to get somebody to leave somebody leave me alone. Like I just think there's like a very interesting um it it, it just inspires really interesting thoughts because you do end up questioning like how how What kind of person do you want to be when you are faced with the idea that your your time on Earth is finite and like who who is worth your time? What is worth your time? I think are all just questions that, like, as you mentioned, nobody really has the answer for. So to just like spend time dealing with that uncertainty, I found it to be really compelling here.
1: Yeah, we can go watch Banshees and have a pint. But are we going to make content out of it, Zach? Are we just going to sit around and not have it be something else? You know, it's this idea yeah. of what you're putting first and foremost. And I, I, do like what Connor says. There, you brought up uh, his first comment uh, and how that leads to a second one as well. He pretty much is one uh, with the animals. Yeah, yeah. that's who he no, relates and, and, to the most because he doesn't want to have right, those extra he's,
0: thoughts. Right, and he's like this kind, gentle person that almost is kind of like like a, a, a dog type, like a man's best friend type. He is uh in, in, in a way it's almost like column has replaced padrick in his life with, with his dog, dog. <laughs> yeah
1: the dog was nicer um but yeah it's, <laughs> it's those back and forth and i do wonder from his perspective as a as a playwright as a director and as someone who's had his stuff critiqued um how he sees it right because there's also another element in the movie about how not just as friends but the town runs there's one lady who like doesn't pay you unless you give her news and that has nothing to do with the transaction
0: that's not news and it's also not even
1: news <laughs> it's gossip um, yeah yeah best character uh, easily would be uh, Carrie Condon Shaban. we had mentioned this also in the in the yeah. weekend must watch but uh, you know you go in there for Colin and Brendan and they do a great job still think they do better than in Bruges but uh, Carrie Condon's character I think was the one who really brought a lot of the levity to the film and is also the one who you end up rooting for I felt the most because you see her actually make the decision and um, to make herself better. You don't see her be like Colin's character was like, yeah, you kind of seem to be the root of your problems. And Brendan seems to be the root of his problems. I, I really enjoyed her character and what she brought to it.
0: Yeah. Like after being kind of a little more on the sidelines for maybe the first half of the movie, there's like a, a middle quarter that really does become her film where she's trying to kind of be this almost mediator while also, coming to this own self-realization of, like, what is the best use of her time, and it's not on Inisherin, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I think there's just, like, a, very, a lot of fascinating threads to pull from this movie. Um, speaking of that performance, uh, is it one that you're hoping ends up in year-end awards? What are you hoping, maybe, uh, for Banshees of Inisherin's Oscars chances?
1: Out of Banshees, I'd like to see the script because I believe it's an original script. Um, I think that's the strongest part of the movie. I'd be also very fascinated to read the script to see more of the insights from each character uh, and and what approaches they took from. I think that's probably the strongest form of the movie. I do like the performances. You got them split as Uh, co-leads?
0: I think that you could... I think that maybe if it's even just a bit of category fraud, you can put Brendan in supporting. But brendan is sort of on the line for me because it really is colin's movie more than his
1: um neither are my favorites of the year but i do not mind colin brendan barry or carrie taking up a slot at the end of the year as of right now i don't mind but i think the strongest category that it has is script and also cinematography unless you're one of those who considers those shots not cinematography but location scouting (laughs) (laughs) is a location scout give him a race
0: yeah, no, maybe maybe we need to add a category for best location, best Scout, location just for Scout. this one because it's it's beautiful. Uh, I would agree with the the acting nominations you mentioned. I, I honestly, Colin is my favorite male performance probably of the year, and really? I, I've seen okay. I've seen Brendan Fraser in the Whale. I would still go Colin Farrell over him. Uh, I like Brendan Gleeson in this role a lot. I, I think Carrie Condon really does uh, steal a lot of this film, and I'd love to see her uh, sneak into supporting actress as well, but. Uh, like you said, the script is really the, the star of, I think, almost any Martin McDonough production. Uh, if you are familiar at all with his his playwriting, this definitely reads a lot like his his plays. Uh, he, yeah, somewhat interestingly, he started a trilogy of plays that are meant to be set on the Aran Island, starting with uh, the Lieutenant of Inishmore... And uh, there's another one that is slipping my mind. But uh, he ended up not finishing that trilogy. And in a way, really? he feels like this is sort of the end of that Aaron Islands trilogy. So if you also like this one, I would definitely highly recommend uh, reading the lieutenants, of, uh, the lieutenants of Inishmore.
1: Decent. All right. Going to have to yeah. check that out. But I would also recommend definitely go check out his older movies. Seven Psychopaths, I said, was one of my favorites. It's not his best. It's just so much fun and it's crazy and it's out there. Yeah. Uh, In Bruges, it's still the one that I prefer over this one, but I've seen In Bruges like yeah. two, three times. Uh, I'm looking forward to rewatching this one. Um, I just feel it's definitely more of the intellectual, emotional type of existential discussions of existence and what you should be dedicating your life to totally. as opposed to the other ones which are just sometimes vulgar just <laughs> just because. And they go through, again, the, the same type of stuff. Depression and, and everything. But in a more surprisingly lighter tone, I always thought that it, uh, uh, pushing those previous movies was a little bit more like, just know that they get pretty dark. And I feel yeah. like this one, because of how serious the discussions get and how like down to the point it is that it feels more real. Um mm-hmm. Well it's just it's also it that more happy. They,
0: they go through so much pain to get to the end of the film and while I do think there is a glimmer of hope in in that ending you know that there is kind of like a little bit of redemption in their friendship it's not exactly like a happy ending so no. you're dealing with the bleak nature of the movie more so than you are in most of his other films most of his other films he he f- looks more for the silver lining I'd say and I'd agree with you that in Bruges is definitely one of the stronger ones. It was my favorite up until I saw Banshees. Wow, I gotta okay. say, I, I gotta say, I put Banshees on top. I, I think Banshees mm-hmm. is um, his best work as a film. He's definitely grown as a filmmaker uh, for sure, but it's also just got that that cadence from his plays that I really love. Um, although yeah, in Bruges maybe still has some of the funnier moments. It's great. Bro. <laughs> uh, Do you have a favorite moment or line from from Banshees? from banshees i I still really love barry coogan uh, going um i found a stick with the hook end of it what do you think it's for hooking things that are but a stick's length away
1: (laughs) i like his touche line um there's one sequence in the bar that uh it's not so much the quotes in it but there's the bartender yelling and telling them where they stand on something and then a bar patron just repeating everything the bartender says as if it's his own (laughs)
0: Right, yeah. Or the just the repeated, why you been rowing? We haven't been rowing. yeah, <laughs> All that. Uh,
1: but yeah, no, overall, that was fantastic. I just say, shout out Colin Farrell for the year that he's been having. Colin Farrell and his makeup people, all of his uh, uh, prosthetic <laughs> people, they've been killing in every movie he's in.
0: Yeah, Colin Farrell, I mean, definitely like a favorite here on Intercut. But if we're just going by the films that he's in this year. Come on. Banshees of an 13 Lives, The Batman, and After Yang. Not to mention Northwater was last year, but uh, another good stuff. He's on quite a run, and it's also like he's doing so many different things here. Like there's no, a lot of times you have actors that kind of, have a lane and they stick to yeah. it. But he's, as you mentioned, sometimes physically transforming, sometimes just transforming his attitude. Um, this definitely feels like the ty- a type of character that we're not used to seeing the normally very like slick and suave Colin Farrell in. But I, I do kind of like seeing him being a little bit more dejected like and, yeah. and hang dog. I mean,
1: I appreciate it. I don't know if I like it personally, you, you know what I mean? There you <laughs> but go. I was like, yeah. I respect the craft. If you go back to that picture uh, of uh, him and Barry, I, I just yeah. love the form that he takes. That's what I'm saying. He's so frump. It's not just those eyebrows. and You, you see it in the face that he does, but his posture, like this man, like his chiropractor must've been so mad. He's like this. <laughs> He's like that. The whole movie standing, yeah. sitting, walking, that takes a toll he on him. He carries
0: you. a lot of the movie in his shoulders. Look yeah. At,
1: yeah. In his shoulders. And look at his eyes, bro. Those brows sit on him it's just a completely different right there it's such a completely uh physical performance way more than you expect it to be like obviously you know you compare it to all the prosthetics that he had for batman as penguin but you you can't you can't deny this this is a lot more physical work i'd say here because yeah he's got to do it all so uh yeah no shouts out to him
0: absolutely so uh, Banshees of an Ishrin, as I mentioned at the top this is definitely like a go rush out to the theater top top recommendation combo price maybe maybe you know work of art or wow. whatever I, I I love this film man it's definitely going to come up when we talk about Solid. our 10 best movies of the year later this year
1: I figured out the line I swear if it's the same milkman, I'm gonna kill him
0: <laughs> that that uh what a great because that bit also felt so harsh and then just the that's such a beautiful button on it.
1: And then it comes He's back into play. a really editor, funny guy. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, overall, again, I would also recommend going out into the theaters to see it. Again, I have it as a matinee because I think you need to see it in the morning. Come out to some sunlight like you see in those shores and have a discussion mm. about it. Uh, but I'm very curious to see other people's opinions compared to his previous filmography. If you've never seen any of his movies, again, I would recommend Seven Psychopaths. What did I say? In Bruges? In Bruges, Seven second Paths. I would say Banshees because I still think that oh, at the end okay. of it, uh, his darkest one is still three billboards. It, it's still yeah. darker than that one. So I'd say it's more lighthearted than uh, three billboards, but nonetheless, I still have in Bruges as my number one. Seven Psychopaths. I guess they're both tied. Uh, this one and then three billboards outside of Epic Missouri.
0: All right, cool. I'll, I'll, if we're doing rankings, spontaneous Martin McDonough rankings, I'll go uh, Banshees of Inishirin in Bruges. Then probably three billboards, and I got seven psychopaths on, well, on the psychopaths. Of my list. But <laughs> I got I got six shooter, cripple of Inishman, <laughs> lieutenant of Inishmore, and then seven psychopaths. <laughs> All the
1: scripts. <laughs> he did a commercial once. I have that above seven psychopaths.
0: Have you ever seen his short film Six Shooter with Brendan Gleason? No, it's it good. They think he won an Oscar for. Yeah, it's pretty good. Really? I mean, definitely feel. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot more abbreviated, I mean, obviously, uh, than uh, what you get in most Martin McDonough films where you get a more expansive look at the world. But uh, it's got that dialogue and it's got that that flair for violence that would come to uh, define some of his later work. So, yeah, probably worth checking out if you like Martin McDonough's stuff. SNL, two weeks ago,
1: had uh, Brendan, Brendan as, the, as the host. I caught that this morning yeah. uh, just because I wanted oh, to see nice. what humor he would bring into it, right? Pretty funny. Yeah. He's good. Uh, uh, I like the good. style he brought to it, So I'd recommend that as well.
0: I was surprised when they chose him. They normally choose somebody who's maybe a little more high profile. But I love Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, like, he's Con- such a, he such mentioned a great He that Colin
1: uh, was the one who convinced him to. He's like, I didn't want to do it. But Colin said, he's like, no, you could bring your own style to it. You'll have a good time. Yeah, and he did. It. I mean, it's just really he's such a funny actor. You don't expect him to be that funny. I think a lot of people yeah. find him to be very serious. And it's like, nah, he's actually mm-hmm. like really funny.
0: Very very funny actor, yeah. All right, so those are our are, are our thoughts on the Banshees of Inisherin. That's all for this edition of the After Credits. Catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxed at Zshevich. That's Z S H E V I C H. And check out my YouTube or multi or TikTok channels at multiplex show artwork and people find more from you
1: you can find me over at LME explain on twitter talking about the best donkey of the year which is eo on <laughs> Letterbox, letterboxd talking about the second Slander. best donkey of the year which is this one from banshees and then the third one which zach hasn't seen i'll be talking about it on twitter bro return to dust Ooh. another good donkey Ooh. we got a donkey trilogy on our hands this year uh but you can find me every week here probably for the rest of the year having some one of us gush about the banshees of inner <laughs> here on the intercut <laughs>
0: podcast yeah. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast. And then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod. where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of The Weekend Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Please leave us a comment, like the videos, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five Five. There we go. Five star review and shout out to our listeners in Ecuador for putting us on the TV and film podcast charts out there like our Facebook, Instagram and Twitter pages. Support the Patreon. All of them are at Intercut pod to get updates throughout the week from art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut and hit the link to join the discord community in our description Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, obviously I don't know what ensconced means.